So, when was your last checkup? Oh no, not you. Although that's important too, but when was your last vehicle checkup? When it comes to service, nobody knows your Chevy better than your local Chevy dealer. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule an appointment today. Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, in our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. So we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they and take a look. Apparently, we are living in the age of fear. We all make conscious choices and thoughtful choices about our family, but for some reason, I think we're now living in a mom-shaming culture. And I think we all need to take a time out and think about this big picture. How did we get to the point where parents, and even more specifically moms, aren't allowed to make choices and decisions for our kids without fear of being judged, prosecuted, or shunned? Mm -hmm. How is this good for any of us, and what are we teaching our kids? I personally think this happens more often than we think. Have you ever had any kids at home while you ran to the grocery store real quick? Okay, so I'm hesitant to talk about it because um, in Illinois, we have the strictest child neglect laws in the nation. So um, and many of them defy common sense. Um, Any minor under the age of 14 whose parent leaves him without supervision for an unreasonable period of time without regard for the mental or physical health, safety or welfare of that minor is neglected. Now, right. So 14, I mean, yes, I have left the kids home for a short period of time where I went to the grocery store or the gas station. Ran to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. A chore that they don't want to go with on with me. Yeah. I'll be honest. There's been times that I have left the kids at home and I haven't told anyone that I left them home. Like I just assume that they think that they're off at a friend's house or something because I'm worried that they're because I feel like somebody's gonna be like, Oh, mm. the other thing, too, is I wouldn't want to tell people because I wouldn't want anyone to know the kids are home by themselves in case. Uh, um, but I also say don't answer the doorbell. If somebody rings the door, you just ignore it. Um, yeah, we've done that. And they have, you know, they have access to our cell phones and, and they can call from at any time. I don't go too far away. Right. But and- isn't it sad that we can't just do that without like without having to worry about. What? Being scared or... Um, Isn't it sad that Illinois has such a weird law? 14? I was babysitting by the time I was 12. I, I was... Chain- yeah, exactly. I was babysitting infants. Yeah, me too. <laughs> by yes. that age. Not not anymore. Have yeah. you ever left them in the car when you were like at the dry cleaner or like, you know, in a strip I've, mall and you're like, oh, I'm just going to go run in? Oh, yeah. I've, I've run into the jewel or as I like to call it, the jewels. <laughs> uh, I've left them in there with their devices with the windows cracked because they don't want to come grocery shopping. Now, now that they're a little older, I mean, so this is when they were like 
eight and six, right? Right. Um, now that they're a little older, they want to come in because they want to pick out the food they like. But, ah, but when there's they incentive were, for them. Yeah, yeah. Before I was like, oh, mom. And, and the door was locked and, you know, they couldn't crawl out. I don't know. Like, I'm probably going to be arrested now. <laughs> well, I've let the kids walk in. You know, we live in the suburbs. We I've let them walk to town to go get ice cream or something like that. They go together and my daughter has her cell phone. So but, you know, it's stuff like that. I don't know that if somebody was watching, if they'd be like, hmm, I know if somebody was looking out their window. Hmm. What are those two kids doing walking around town by themselves? Hannah walks by herself to ballet, which is two blocks away in the city. So but, you know, it's part of it's, I think you have to give them some independence. independence. Exactly. <laughs> Jinx. Well, case in point, Corey Wyden is a mom in suburban Chicago. And this all came to pass this summer. I was reading an article in the Tribune. She was the target of an investigation after she allowed her eight-year-old daughter, get this, to walk their dog around the block without supervision. This seems incredibly unbelievable, considering that many of us grew up happy and healthy, mind you, running. I, my mom let me run out, and she said, come in when the, lights, when the streetlights come on. Like, I was literally gone. There was no cell phones. There was no nothing. There were, I just ran out and played. Yeah, my, my parents had a bell. Every every different house had a different bell, and you listened for your bell, and when your bell rang, you had to go home. I just, I, I saw this story in the trip, and I was like, this is a story, and this is something we need to talk about. Talk about. So I, um, I'm so thrilled to have Corey Wyden, the mom, uh, to talk with us today about mom shaming. Thanks for joining us today, Corey. My pleasure. For those of us that have not heard the story, I mean, I have, but can you briefly share what happened this summer? I mean, it's basically what exactly what you just said. My daughter got a dog um, about a year ago, and um, the dog was pad trained because I have problems with my back, so I can't walk him that much. And um, we had hired a private dog trainer, and she was doing her practicing with her dog to um, teach him, you know, how to listen to her and stuff like that. And she had to take him a certain amount of distance away from me to get the dog to listen. So I was actually out in the yard working with her, and then she took the dog for a walk around the block, and I walked it to the front, and then the yards connect, so I could see her. I mean, I could see her almost the entire time, and then I went around to the back and saw her, you know, pass through through the backyards, and then she came around the front, and and that was basically it. And a little while later, I was doing laundry, and the police knocked on the door. You and, live in a in an affluent suburb of Chicago. My my dad grew up in that yeah. suburb, and yeah. my my husband did. Yeah. So it's absolutely yeah. like mind-boggling to me that this is this was even a story and that this even Maybe, happened. I mean, there were other kids out walking their dogs that same day, and I live right across the street even from the rec center. So there's always little kids or kids coming and going, you know, either on foot or in cars um, with their moms. So, I mean, it's, per, it's particularly safe. Um, you- and why I live here, I'm a single parent, and it costs a lot of money to live here, and I have to really sacrifice to do it. Um, and I have really no life outside of my kids, so I'm <laughs> bitter already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so when this happened, it was just kind of like the last straw. Yeah. So uh, how was your daughter doing? I, I imagine that having the police, because when I saw the stories on TV and whatnot, she answered the door when the police showed up. I, I imagine yeah. that was pretty traumatizing for her. It was completely traumatizing for her. And we had kind of had had a, a rough couple of years anyway, you know, with my husband and I separating and um, our, 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 we moved, our house was 50% what it was supposed to be worth because of the recession. So she was already, you know, I felt like I had been through enough. So I was really, you know, angry when it happened. 
But, um, yeah, she opened opened the door expecting to find her play date and found a uniformed police officer standing there with, you know, a gun and a bulletproof vest on and the squad car behind her. And it really scared her. She really thought she had done something wrong. So it was traumatizing for her. And she had nightmares for a while afterwards. And uh, it was, I mean, it was awful. I just, and I, I feel really bad because I feel like people think I'm blaming the police and I'm not. The poor police officer was just doing what she had to do. And, you know, she saw my daughter burst into tears and go running away. So she knew that it was a problem already. And then it just continued to spiral from there. Well, so the police said, okay, everything's fine and went away. But then what happened next? So a couple of days later, I got a notice in the mailbox. I had come home from sitting through one of six performances of Susical the Musical that Dorothy was in that weekend. Lucky and you. got this. Yeah. <laughs> Like, is this six performances are bad enough? It's six performances of Dr. Seuss. Like, I wanted to throw myself off the roof. I can't tell you how much I wanted to go poof. Yes. I mean, it was six. So I was through the first one and thinking like, oh, my God, five more. And then I get home to this notice that you're being investigated for child abuse. And I just something in my brain just went boom. (laughs) So what did you do? Um, I I, I mean, I was just stood there just dumbfounded and um you know the problem with these investigations too is is usually they just show up and so you just you're just confronted immediately with a social worker so a lot of women end up in these situations where they get into more trouble because they're upset or hostile and then they're you know they they say something to the social worker like you know like what i probably would have said if she had been here like how dare you yeah defensive Um, exactly and so then they get labeled as hostile and the investigation goes even even further yeah and uh, so i just happened to be lucky that i was sitting through that musical that um, I wasn't here when she dropped off the um, the notice. So I had already talked publicly on like Facebook and Nextdoor.com with the police thing because I was upset about that. And then when I got this, I just went public with it again. And my um, one of my really good friends, one my oldest mom friend, actually our kids, our sons, who are now 18-year-olds, were best friends in preschool. She immediately messaged me and said, I defend DCFS cases, let's talk right away. And then she guided me as to what to do from there. But had it not been for her, I don't know exactly if this would have played out or it definitely wouldn't have played out as well as it did because, you know, she was able to tell me what to expect. And had I had to confront these ridiculous allegations without, you know, her telling me, like, this is happening all the time now. I know it's crazy, but, uh, you know, we're going to get through it. And, you know, you know, taking phone calls from me in the middle of the night crying and stuff like that, um, I would not have come out of it nearly as well as I did. And that's what really stuck with me is the, the poor families that have to go through this that either can't afford a lawyer or can't find somebody to take their case. You've mentioned how ironic this is. You know, you're a stay-at-home mom. You homeschool. What would your friends yeah. say about your parenting style? To be honest, I mean, I would think if people talked about me behind my back, they would say, I mean, I know that they say, like, like make fun of me. You know, I'm always with my kids. I do homeschool them. Um, we're really, really close. I don't really have a life outside of them. And uh, I would say, you know, I described myself as a helicopter parent, parent, you know, kind of like jokingly, despairingly. Right. And I said it in front of my son. um, And he was like, Mom, you're not a helicopter parent. He's like, you're just a good mom. And I was just, you know, moved to tears when he said it. And at that point, I was like, really, that's all that matters. But that's what my kids think of me. That's the irony of this whole situation that you would get called in in that DC. Like, I'm sure their caseload at DCFS is way, way big that they to to be spending their time on something like this. And granted, I don't fault them if there was a call that they should investigate. But my goodness, for real? Well, I mean, I kind of do only because in that I I feel the screening process really failed me. 
Um, and then when they, you know, the report, I've heard the call now. And so the report said my daughter was four. Um, she's, you know, this, she's size 10, 12. She's double that size. And when, I mean, I literally said to him, like, if you could find a five-year-old in this house, you can have it because I don't <laughs> have a five-year-old. It I, should have just stopped right there. Yeah, I and mean, so that, that was why it was so preposterous. And then I really felt that DCFS, when they spoke out about this, really missed an opportunity to say, like, you know, this, this is where the system is broken and this is what we need. Um, and this is where it's where it's failing or something instead of just saying like, well, this is what the people of Illinois asked us to do. Well, hello, I'm the people of Illinois. I sure as hell didn't ask you to do it. So we should point out um, for this episode, you know, you're not alone. Author Kim Brooks wrote a book called Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear after she was arrested for leaving her four year old in the car while running into Target. Now, a lot of people think that that was wrong because. You know, you hear about kids dying in overheated cars, but the windows were cracked and it was a cool day in the small town where she grew up. She was gone for five minutes. Um, she mm-hmm. ended up, she spent two years in a court battle. Then there's a Maryland couple found responsible for unsubstantiated child neglect by local child protective services after their children of ages 10 and 6 walked home alone from a playground a mile from their home. What? Just walking home from the playground? Yep. We did that yeah. every day. I know. In and 1978. That couple were Ivy League educated parents, too. I mean, I, I read I was following that case. It was it was crazy. And then there's a Chicago woman who spent two years fighting citation of neglect after letting her kids play in a park right outside her window. I read that one and she yeah. literally could look out her window and see them. Yep, And it's affected yeah. her. She she now can't volunteer at school because she had <gasps> she had this record because because she let her kids play outside. That yeah. is so ridiculous. What are we doing? What? Why are we doing this? It doesn't make sense. We That's can't, a great question. We can't be, they're not on leashes. They're not, they, they have to have the autonomy and independence to walk around. Otherwise, they're going to go to college and not know anything about how to behave. What's funny, <laughs> what's funny is that I was reading uh, John Cass, the Chicago columnist, uh, wrote this awesome co- column about your story, Corey. And he mm-hmm. said, he said, we live in a nanny state now as government bureaucrats seek to mitigate risk of all kinds. Risk is taken out of everything. Americans were once risk takers. We are now risk averse. We impart our legalistic bureaucratic phobia to our young. And now the young are growing up afraid of everything. They seek safe spaces at universities where they are safe from ideas. And if they're challenged by ideas like, say, capitalism or free speech, they scream and cry. I cannot I cannot agree with this more. Like, this is so ridiculous that we are targeting moms just trying to do the best they can and make decisions and trying to do things for their kids and then get Mm -hmm. punished for it yeah neil steinberg of the sun times wrote scary stuff comes at all of us faster than ever and we forget that for the lucky comfortable fear will harm you and your kids far worse than any stranger ever will it's the fear that we have to worry about Mm -hmm. so You've made this public, and and you uh, it's very brave of you, I think, to to be so public about it. What are you hoping you. comes out of this discussion? Like, what takeaways do you want people to think about? Uh, well, there's several. First of all, um, the DCFS reporting system desperately needs to be reformed. Right now, it's anonymous reporting, and it, it is regularly being abused by um, men, in particular, targeting uh, women. I've had spoken to several women that were targeted by stalkers or uh, hus- abusive husbands. And it needs to be changed, and it's outdated because there just is no anonymous anymore. I mean, I know who did this. I was able to figure it out because of the recording. We've all got cell phones. Anonymous doesn't exist anymore. So it needs to be confidential, not anonymous reporting. Then they need to prosecute the false cases, which they don't do at all. And then um, we need to shift as a culture about 
not calling the police for every single thing, just knocking on each other's doors, not being afraid of every single thing. But one of the things that the Family Defense Center did, I don't know if you guys read about this, was they just won a class action suit against DCFS for this exact category where DCFS had overstepped their boundaries in many of these cases. Already, they, they won the class action suit. DCFS agreed to change their guidelines. They overstepped their guidelines again in my case. And right now, they're currently reviewing 80,000 cases in Illinois alone. Wow. I mean, just wrap your brain around that number. They have to review and revise 80,000 cases because they got, found so many people guilty of neglectful parenting when they were not doing anything wrong and, you know, ruined huge chunks of those people's lives, traumatized their kids. You know, as you said, they can't volunteer at school. Some people lost their jobs. It's, it's terrible. So y- and it's y- just a travesty that it's been going on for as long as it has. And they've been writing articles about this problem for a while now. I've been following it for a while as homeschoolers were always kind of aware of it because they have a tendency to kind of persecute that group a little bit. So it's been going on for a while and really people have been doing some stuff about it on the sidelines, but it's just not been getting that much attention. And and that was a big part of the reason why I came forward was because I knew I was going to coast through the investigation. I knew there wasn't anything anybody could say or do about my parenting that wasn't good. I'm a really dedicated mother. And I just knew it was just such a ridiculous enough story that it would get people's attention. Corey, you mentioned the Family Defense Center, but we not everyone mm-hmm. knows what that is. Explain what it is and, and what its mission is. So they're a not-for-profit, and they defend um, cases against DCFS. They, they defend families, and they um, accept both paying clients and pro bono clients. So if you have a financial need, they'll accept your case. Um, and then my I, my personal friend, Rena, is a lawyer, and so she also defends DCF cases. But it's a very narrow scope. There just aren't many attorneys that even want to deal with this sort of thing. So the Family Defense Center was founded um, to start defending people against these uh, cases against them um, to stop getting all of these kids funneled into the foster care system, which is also a complete mess. So what do you hope to come from all this discussion and all the um, news stories and you were on Good Morning America. Um, you got to bring your daughter out to New York. What what takeaways do you want people to think about? I think, honestly, culturally, I think we need to really start thinking about where this fear is coming from. And I do think that it is a scary time to be a parent. And I think that... Um, Personally, I think it has a lot to do with the school shootings. And I know it's a touchy subject to bring up, especially as a homeschooler. I don't deal with it every day. I don't know what it's like to deal with it every day. And I'm sure that that's having, you know, a psychological effect on parents and as all of us as a culture. So I think we've just got to start dealing with where this fear is coming from and then start, stop with the, with the mom shaming. I've just been watching this go on for such a long time. I've been a mom for 18 years. And it's as a culture, we've changed so much. To the point where it's ridiculous. I mean, I saw this story not that long about this poor mom who was traveling and put her baby down on the floor in the airport to let him, you know, just squirm around on a blanket while she checked some emails and stuff. They had like missed a flight and she had had a long day and people were mom shaming her for putting her baby on the floor. Like, oh, my God, baby on the floor all the time. Yeah. What, what are they worried the baby's going to roll over on the ground? Like, what? That's stupid. No, that she just wasn't holding. She just wasn't holding. There's an absurd amount of pressure on us for, for women and mothers to just constantly be mothers and be parenting and never do anything else. Never take our eyes off our kids. You know, never take a break from anything. And it's it's gotten to the point where it's crazy. You mentioned, too, um, in some of these articles that it's a certain person who's uh, who's disproportionately affected. Right. What, what group is is targeted the most? Well, women, obviously, because we're the mothers. 
so um, we end up dealing with it the most. And then it's it's minority families that deal with it the most. And I did get, I mean, I really did get some blowback online for that because a lot of African Americans were posting like, you know, if this were a black family, nobody would care. And if this was a black kid, this isn't how it wouldn't have gone. And my point was, is yeah, you're absolutely right. And that was why I took the time to say like, this is crazy. Um, and, and, it, and it's all got to change and it's all got to stop. But, you know, and at the same time that all this was going on, too, the other thing that I why I went public with it is is when this actually happened, this was over a month ago now, was when all this publicity and firestorm was going through with us taking away all the kids at the border. So I'm thinking to myself, like, how crazy is it that we're like ripping little kids away from these immigrant parents and everybody and this person's so concerned because my my well-dressed, well-fed, well-cared-for daughter walked her purebed Maltese around the block for five minutes. I mean, how, how ironic is that? And that was actually one of the first things that I said online, is I just thought that the, the irony of it was just insane. I don't know how to change the culture of mom shaming, because, I mean, it's hard enough to be a parent in general and be a mom and manage a household and much less have to deal with blowback from anybody else that has a different opinion on how I should run my household. Like, I shouldn't have to deal with worrying about what other people think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's really oppressive and it's really difficult to parent that way. And I definitely feel like I've seen it get worse. I think what it's going to take is people like Kim Brooks writing her book, people like me speaking out. Um, you know, Maya Bialik actually covers this topic quite a bit on her blog. I follow her. She's a homeschool mom and I'm a huge fan of hers. Blossom. And, uh, you know, she- Isn't it Blossom? My- yeah, Blossom. Yes. Blossom. <laughs> I know that because she's into free range parenting. Yeah, explain exactly. what. Can you explain what that is? So free range parenting is, um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that term because now it's kind of picked up some negative associations with it. It sounds like people just want to let their kids run amok, and that's not what it is. I'm a bigger fan of the term common sense parenting. I don't consider myself a free range parent because my daughter walked her dog. I just think like that's crazy. But it's the movement was founded by Lenore Skenazi, um, and it's just basically what it sounds like. It's just giving your kids some freedoms to explore and learn independently and not micromanaging every single one of their moves. Um, and I actually have uh, joined a Facebook group, Free Range Parenting of the Chicago area, and um, met with that group of women. They're also working to try to get some of the laws revised or at least relooked at um, because everybody is dealing with this. I can't tell you how many people wrote to me and were just like, told me these awful stories about stuff that happened to them. And then other people that wrote to me that were like, I worry about this constantly because my child looks young and they're not that young, but I'm always worried that somebody's going to report them. And other stories of people who are like, I let my kid go out to play and the neighbor brings them home or, you know, it's just all oh my just gosh. never ending stuff like that. Is that um, like a passive aggressive? Like, oh, I, I walked your kid home for you. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why somebody would yeah, do that. Absolutely. I mean, and you guys, you can see it reflected in our culture, too. If you watch the show, have you guys heard of the show American Housewife? No, it's on ABC. You got to watch it. I mean, I I li- I, li- I used to live in Winnetka, so um, I and it reminds me so. I feel like I li- literally lived every episode. There's literally an episode where she lets her eight year old walk to the library, and the whole town mom shames her, and nobody will let their kids get dropped off at her daughter's birthday party. They insist they all attend because she's a bad mother. So I mean, it was like I was watching, and I was like, oh my god, I'm actually living this TV show. This and was then there's the whole bad moms movie franchise i watched that i could completely relate to that and then there's um pam adelon's show better things which is all about 
her being a single mom and dealing with the amount of work it takes and the judgment and the problems that we have in our culture. So it's, it's not like this is happening in a vacuum. It's not like these people are, you know, writing these things and making them up. This is what's actually going on. This is what it's like to be a mother now. But this is what, how we all grew up. Like that, that's but I just I don't understand why everyone's thinking it's so bad because that's how we did it. And what's wrong with that? Like, I think that you're a stronger kid when you had the autonomy and you were confident rather than growing up like worried and scared and anxious about things all the time. Like, oh, my gosh, what might happen? Like, and yeah. I've, I've read reports about people in colleges who are in the administration and kids get to college without having any clue how to make a decision for themselves, how to. Yeah. You know, uh, one kid went through like the cafeteria and didn't know what to eat. Could, couldn't make, <laughs> yes, what? Yes. Why? Because mommy did it for him. Every I don't day? know. I, I, the, the kids have not made any decisions. They've oh been given God, no independence. We're doing it wrong. Yeah. No, we're doing it wrong. I, I totally agree with that. And I could. I mean, I could see it in my own parenting, and that's why I was. I'm. I'm hyper conscious about it because I got to the point where I was like, "This is ridiculous. My kids are so entitled. I'm like bringing them breakfast in bed, and I'm." You know, I have health problems and I'm doing all this stuff anyway. And I just said, like, this is not the way that I want a parent. This has got to stop. They've got to start learning to do more stuff on their own. And my 18-year-old is actually incredibly independent. And I'm really proud of how he turned out. But I was really feeling like I was doing too much for my daughter and why I was trying to start taking some small baby steps away from doing everything for her. And, and look what happened. One question I, I had, we talked about the, the kid who's uh, the neighbor walks the kid home. Would it have been okay or at least forgivable if the neighbor had come to you and said, you know, is your daughter, how old is she? Should she be like, like if, the, if they'd approached you as opposed to calling the police? Of course. I would have had absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. Like, that's the type of community I thought I was living in. You know, that's part of the reason why I felt safe allowing her to do what she did. And that was the feedback that I got um, online and in my community kind of support group was everybody was like, was that that's why what we're, we're all here for. It's we're all here watching each other's kids. And um, this, I think, was kind of an anomaly but i mean the 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 911 call has been released if you if you listen to the call it doesn't even make any sense because he's like saying like you know she could have gotten in somebody's car and and been taken away i don't know if she ever came back and this guy lives two doors down from me i mean he could have been here within 30 seconds like why would you take the time to call dcfs and 911 if you're worried that somebody something happened to a child if she got into a car like go tell that parent right away yeah and all you had to do was say like i was eating my lunch i saw your daughter leave and i didn't see her come back i just want to make sure everything was okay i would have felt so happy and flattered by that like just thinking like you know oh thank you so much no she's here and everything is fine and you know, I'm a single parent. I need people to do stuff like that for me. That's that's why I wanted to live in a community like this. Right. We I, There was a time um, years ago when my daughter and my son were out playing and we couldn't find my daughter. And it was something so stupid. But so uh, the neighbors, you know, were all like, let's go look. And because we thought they were at the park. She was upstairs. Oh. And it was so stupid, but like everyone, it wasn't like everyone was all judgy or anything. They're like, oh, well, they were all there together just a minute ago. And then they, you know, came. It's just like, why can't it just be like that? Why can't you be supportive and inclusive and and neighborly rather than passive aggressive? And shaming. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't understand exactly like why we've shifted so far as a culture. I, you know, I do, like I said, I do feel like I understand somewhat where the fear is coming from, but why are we all out attacking each other and judging each other's parenting and stuff? I don't, that I don't understand at all. 
you know, I do the best I can to be a good mom. Do I get everything right? No. And, but I have a nice peer group that I look to for support. I will say that I have a really diverse group of mom friends and I feel like that really helps. So, um, I think that it's important to try to make, I feel like it, sometimes it's a problem when you only surround yourself with people that are exactly like you. Like I have North shore moms that have two nannies and unlimited amounts of money. And then I got another mom. That's a great friend of mine who's got like dreadlocks and she drives her kids, you know, all over Mexico and they, you know, road school and do all these amazing cool things. <laughs> and her kids speak like three languages and, uh, writes poetry and, you know, and, and so I base my parenting ba- based on what I'm comfortable with, what, what also what they do. And I think that that's important. I think we can't just, you know, isolate ourselves into these little boxes and only do what everybody else is doing and all try to be the same. Right. And I think that that's problematic too. And one of the things that this guy that called says on the call is like, well, I know when I was a parent, I never would have let my kid out when he was four years old. I saw you on Good Morning America, and there is no way that your daughter looks like she's four. So no, and this this guy, I we we knew him. He knows my daughter. We were she was six when we moved in. It was just somebody looking to to sow discourse, I guess, or you know, judge somebody and create a problem. And the case is now closed, right? So to to fast forward to today, it it's all it's all sealed up. The um the case is closed with DCFS and the police, correct? Yeah, the case was closed actually before the story even went public. So I actually had this moment where Rena called and she said, okay, it's, it's closed. It's been unfounded. And I had already done the interview. So it was, it was like the split second where I went, oh, <laughs> you what can't, did I do? Can't put toothpaste <laughs> back in the tube. <laughs> exactly. But it's an important story to tell. And I think it, it's important to, to hear these kind of outlier stories so that it kind of, you need it to, to shock yourself back into reality. Like, whoa. Like, what are we doing here? And take a look at what, what's happening in our exactly. neighborhoods. But I, what I would point out to you is that it's, this is not an outlier story. And that's what I learned from going through all this is this is happening all the time to so many people. I got so many personal phone calls from people that I knew that this happened to. My lawyer and family defense center, you know, if you talk to them, they can tell you the same thing. Like, it's a situation that is out of control and only getting worse. And nobody's doing anything about it. And we need to. Well, I hope, Corey, that this uh, helps and I hope that um, the laws change and the culture changes. I appreciate that you are sharing your story and being public about it. That had to be you're very brave. Thank you. And just so you guys asked me about my daughter, I just wanted you to know she's doing fantastic. That uh, once the press coverage started, we met as a family to decide whether or not we would be willing to talk about it. And uh, I was nervous about the effects it would have on her. And in her mind, it completely flipped the narrative. Now she just thinks like somebody did something bad to our family and the whole world jumped out in our defense. And we got to go to New York and be on TV and, and now she's doing really well. But unfortunately, that's not the case with a lot of the kids that go through these investigations. And that's that's the most problematic is they create new victims. Right. That makes sense. Well, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today, Corey. We appreciate your time and your story. And I hope um, everyone learned something from it. My pleasure. I hope so, too. Thanks, Thank you Corey. so much. So apparently we all need to be a little kinder to each other, mm-hmm. maybe a little less judgmental and supportive of our fellow moms because we're all doing this together. Yeah. And we all we all want what's best for the kids. Right. Right. That's I mean, that's why we all had kids in the first place. Right? I hope. Yes. Good intention. So yeah. um, in the new season of apparently we wanted to put ourselves out there with a timeout. Okay. Um, I wanted to revisit one of my favorite episodes from season one, which was on failure and give you an update. Okay. So 
I know that you said often during that episode that this was a hard one for me, Anne, but at Jessica Leahy's suggestion, the author that we had on, The Gift of Failure, uh, I have not checked the parent portal. I have not gone on the portal for my daughter's middle school. And she's been back for almost a month. Did I pat <laughs> herself on the back again? Did I? I have not looked to see if her assignments are in, and I'm trying to let her be in charge of her homework. I'm not checking her homework. She's advocating for herself. She went, uh, she uh, has already had a a sick day. She stayed home from school one day, Mm -hmm. and she emailed all of her teachers on her own and said, you know, what do I need to get, or should I get it from? She, She went on her own and got contacts of all the made one friend in every class and got their cell so that she could text them. Okay. So that if she needed to get an assignment or whatever, she could get it from a friend too. That is exactly what Jessica was saying. So, you know, I just wanted to revisit in this time out that, you know, we all do our best and try and sometimes it works and it peters out after like a month or so, but I wanted to tell you that I didn't go on the portal. All right. On my side of things... First of all, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) Second of all, um, I just two days ago got the pin numbers or the pins for my kids portal. I've never (laughs) been on the portal. And I here in my purse, I have the printouts that I got two days ago. You did. So I can actually go on the portal. So it's like Freaky Friday. We swapped personalities. Whoa. Also, my kids are making their own lunches every day now. That's good. Yeah. Oh, we're not doing that yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So there we go. We would love to have you guys in season two um, join our timeout. If you have something that from another episode that you want to share that you tried or tried to enact or whatever, we'd love to hear from you. So you can check out our Facebook page at Apparently, or you can give us a call. We have a number now, 331-704-0046. Or you can email us at apparentlypodcast at gmail.com. This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it.